on this episode of Uncle and the Young Bucks. We go around the horn for the week that was in Cleveland sports. We have a new segment called News of the Weird. We review the first major in professional golf, the Masters. We talk about the change of the queue. Brandon takes a victory lap in the final four, and we discuss one Colin Cowherd and his hatred of everything Cleveland. That's next on Uncle and the Young Bucks. Let's do this. Hey, this is Eric. This is Brandon. And this is Drew. And we are Uncle and the Young Bucks. Taking a look at the Browns, they've uh, had a quiet couple weeks since, you know, making the the big splashes with Odell and all their free agent signings. They did, however, trade uh, Ogba in a deal to grab a safety, which kind of solidifies, you know, a, a, another hole um, that they had. And I would say it's kind of their last hole that they have. So, you know, they can go into the draft looking to take the best pick available. Um, and, you know, a, a question you start to ask, you know, if a guy falls here and there, do they possibly look to trade up into the, you know, late end of the first round? Um, you know, that's a question that, you know, John Dorsey's probably, you know, filtering through himself. But, you know, they have the draft capital because I don't think they will take eight guys. Um, I don't see enough spots for eight players, you know, on this team. Um, but it will make an interesting next couple of weeks moving into the draft. Taking a look at Ohio State football this Saturday, they got their spring game. We will touch on that a little bit next week. And uh, we'll shoot her on over to Eric, talking a little Tribe baseball. All right. Well, let's wrap it up here this past week after the Tribe started off a little slow. We talked about last week. Right now, believe it or not, guys, they're 8-4 and four in first place here on April 11th. Uh, the bats are coming around. The biggest news of this week, obviously, is the loss of Mike Clevenger. Looks like he's going to be out six to eight weeks. And there were rumors today coming down from Antonetti that he may require surgery, but it didn't appear that there was going to be any extended timeline on his return. That's a huge blow. But the good news is, is Bieber pitched a phenomenal game today, and he's actually way above uh, where I thought he'd be at this time of the season. Corey Kluber seemed to return to form in his last start, finally got his win. Uh, Trevor Bauer actually went the opposite direction, but he's still pitching lights out as well. I know he got roughed up a little bit and took his first loss of the year and uh, added some runs on the ERA, but you know what? He'll be fine. And the bats are coming around. So again, Indians are eight and four, half game up on Detroit in first place where they belong. And uh, as long as we can keep these bats going and keep that run differential at plus eight and keep that trend going higher will be really great. Uh, Brandon, I'm going to shoot it over to you, and you can tell us a little bit about uh, what's going on on your side. Thanks, Eric. Talking about the Cavs, thankful, very thankful, that 2019 is now in our rearview mirrors. I know the NBA playoffs are starting, and the East and the Cavs are the Eastern Conference reigning champions for however many years in a row. But we will not be featured in this year's NBA playoffs as the Cavs went 19 and 63, which is just good for for the second worst record in the NBA, only behind the Knicks. Something important to note for tomorrow is that the NBA is doing a coin flip in order to determine the extra ping pong ball that bounces the winner's way. If the Cavs win the coin toss tomorrow, they will get an extra ping pong ball and increase their lottery percentage by a smidgen. 
Additionally, and I would say the more important part of the two, is that if the Cavs win the coin toss tomorrow, they would not be able to draft anywhere worse than sixth overall. Worst case scenario would be the sixth pick. If the Suns win, the Cavs would drop back as far as seven. We're very excited to see what happens. And then also some breaking news. It looks like Larry Drew and the Cavs are going to be parting ways after Larry's first season with with the franchise. Uh, And that's all I really have for you on the Cavs. Okay, this week's news of the weird. We're going to do this segment every week. We're going to find an article and a story to share with you uh, that we found entertaining and hope you do too. This week's headline, people keep lighting baseball fields on fire to dry them out. They should stop. True story from the Washington Post, April 10th by Jacob Bogage. I hope I didn't mess that up. High school baseball fields in Connecticut and Utah are closed because coaches pour gasoline on the infields to try to dry the playing surfaces. When rain batters a baseball field and renders it too wet to host the game, it's a shame for everyone involved. Sometimes some extra dirt or some quick dry substance in a rake can solve the problem. But when there's standing water on the field or the infield has turned to a mess of soupy mud, it's usually best to play another day. It is not wise, repeat, not wise, to douse the field in gasoline and set it alight, hoping the flames will dry out the playing surface. That's because the field may appear dry afterward. Spilling glass, uh, pardon me, spilling gas all over a patch of dirt and grass will contaminate the surface. Instead of playing a game, local law enforcement may have to cordon off. I think they actually had that spelt wrong in the article. It's C-O-R-D-O-N. I may be wrong. I'm not smart. Off the diamond to investigate. The environmental regulators might have to scrape several inches of earth off the field so the gasoline doesn't reach groundwater. This cracks me up, guys. So this next guy here, this Rudy Marconi, first selectman of Ridgefield, Connecticut, says, it's been done before, and every situation that's out there ends with negative consequences. (laughs) (laughs) Someone someone tried to burn the moisture off a Ridgefield High's baseball field this past weekend and instead caused an estimated $50,000 worth of damage. According to the paper, which reported that six to eight inches of gas-soaked soil needed to be removed from the Diamonds infield. <laughs> Guys, the <laughs> article that, goes on. Thank you. Uh, the article goes on. We can put a link up in our in our post this week, but it's absolutely absurd. They even have a video uh, to the Instagram post where they posted the video of them lighting the field on fire to dry this thing out. Guys, it is not a good idea to do this. <laughs> so it happened in Ridgefield, Connecticut, and it also happened at Clearfield High School, 30 miles outside of Salt Lake City in Utah. Uh, and that was just a couple weeks ago where they did 15 to 20 gallons of gasoline and diesel to try to dry up a field. Let me jump in here. Let me first off start off by saying thank you. Thank you so much to, to the incredibly dumb people that exist in our wonderful world. Because without you guys, content like this doesn't exist. And Twitter thrives off of your existence so for that we thank you we thank you for creating a happier environment and making average people feel much more intelligent standing next to you for that we thank you <laughs> well that was this week's news of the weird look for the link in our show posting so guys the 2019 masters tournament kicked off uh when you will be listening to this yesterday but for us recording it today round one in augusta 
April 11th. And looking at the top of the leaderboard, we've got Bryson DeChambeau at six under, and up there with him is Kepka and Mickelson, uh, Poulter not too far down. Some of the names that have kind of uh, slipped farther down the board, but still within striking distance. We've got Tiger at minus two, Ricky, my boy, Fowler, sitting at two under. Um, and then as you go farther and farther down the list, you'll start seeing some more familiar names. Some people like Webb Simpson at even, uh, Horschel at even, and uh, Patrick Reed last year's uh, reigning champ at plus one. Uh, you've got names like Jordan Spieth at plus three and a few other notables that are within that list. So just to be really quick on the Masters, Eric, I know you're very passionate about uh, about Augusta this professional sporting event and for me it's my favorite golf event of the year uh let me quickly ask you guys after watching round one today who do you think will win the weekend win the weekend well i'm going to tell you what the way tiger played today uh i I was able to watch a little bit of it during uh at the office today on my phone i usually try to take days off during the masters believe it or not wasn't able to do that today Uh, but i was trying to watch tigers playing beautifully uh first i think seven out of his first nine i thought i thought i caught the stat he actually hit seven out of his first nine fairways uh his ball striking has been phenomenal he didn't really fall apart until the the last three holes and in fact i think it was a drive on 14 that kind of set him off the rails a little bit when he was leading the tournament at minus three the guy that i'm keeping my eyes on is john rom it was his playing partner today and his his threesome uh i i will tell you don't doubt him. The playing conditions are going to change. The guys that played in the morning today will play in the afternoon tomorrow. So you're going to see the scores even out quite a bit. So when DeChambeau and Kepka and Mickelson all shot five and six under, and you had Rom and Woods at three and two, you're going to see, hopefully, the weather's going to be the same down here in Georgia the, uh, tomorrow. You're going to see those scores flip-flop. I wouldn't be surprised if the leader after tomorrow is going to be at minus eight, minus nine, and it's going to be somebody from the afternoon group. And I suspect it's going to come from the Tiger Woods, John Rahm grouping. Um, other than that, Adam Scott is another name to watch. He's a previous winner. Um, he's one of my favorite golfers. And I think he's set himself up nicely at minus three. Um, but no, it's fantastic, guys. I don't know if either of you have ever had the privilege of to going to Augusta. Um, I have. It is the most phenomenal event that I've ever been to and is my favorite sporting event period. Uh, I've been very fortunate. I've had some suppliers take me as their guest, and I've been uh, probably a dozen times it, and I've been to every single day of the tournament. Uh, Thursday, Sunday's the best day, but Thursday might be my favorite day uh, just because you get to see names on the top of the leaderboard that they're not going to be there on Sunday, guys. You're not going to see Kepka there. You're not going to see DeChambeau. You're going to see Mickelson, and you might see Poulter. Although Ian Poulter, uh, he will fall off. He always does at Augusta. I hate it. I love the guy. But uh, he never seems to, to to stay in the top five. Drew? Yeah, you know, Augusta is definitely somewhere, you know, I'd love to go. Um, I know Brandon and I both got to go the past couple of years to the uh, – the Bridgestone Invitational up at Firestone in Akron. Um, May it rest and, you in know, peace. Yeah, man. You know, just looking at that course um, and, you know, how much time they put into that, uh, I can only imagine, you know, the extent that they, they go at Augusta to to get that course into shape and how good that thing looks. Um, going the into one thing, the, Drew, 
Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say the one thing that you, you cannot see on television that it, it, it cannot be understated is the elevations of Augusta. You can't, they can't be translated to TV when you're looking down 11 or you're looking down 10 or you're looking up 18. I cannot tell you how steep those hills are. That course, I, I can't imagine playing 18 and walking the damn thing. Let me just put it that way. Go on, Drew. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, people that don't get the golf, you know, quite as much. That would, uh, you know, it would be a heck of a day. Let's just, we'll just leave it at that. Um, you know, going in, I my favorite was uh, Rory. Um, I just felt like he's playing fairly well. Um, you know, speaking on John Rom, I got to you watch him and uh, Kepka in the same group, and he, two pretty impressive golfers. Let me tell you what. Um, my my uh, wild card has an, absolutely no shot, but had a rough day today. On Hell Cabrera sitting at plus ten. I think he's going to make his comeback. And as I said, may he rest in peace. <laughs> it's going to be, uh, you know, maybe the most impressive round we've seen. He's going to make the cut. Just going to throw that out there. Um, but no, it's you know, looking at the leaderboard after the round, and I, you know, you see Philly up there. You know, you like to see that. You know, some of those some of those older guys um, making making that good push for the first day. Like Bernard Longer, uh, he's always. He's always in play on Friday to make the cut. Uh, so is Boom Boom Freddie Couples, uh, which I don't see him on the leaderboard right now. I actually missed him today. I hated that, but uh, I don't even know where Couples is today. I'm I'm trying to look it up right now, but he you're right. Those old over. guys, he is six over, so he's probably in danger of not making the cut. But uh, Bernard Longer, he, I think he's one under right now. He could totally make the cut over the weekend. He's a past champion, so that's that's pretty cool to see. Well, to keep this nice and short. John Rahm, as good as the guy is at playing golf, I am not a fan. I'm not a fan of people that act like children on the golf course. It is a sport of etiquette and respect. And John Rahm, to me, comes off as a total baby when he's hitting his clubs to the ground like a five-year-old, making millions of dollars a year doing something people would pay hundreds of thousands of dollars if they could, could have his job. They would take it for no money. The guy is a guaranteed top 10 finish in every professional golf event that he you know signs up for he's just so consistent and so good so i respect his game um but i will be rooting against him this week because ricky fowler is going to break the curse the man is finally finally going to win his first pga major championship so you got ricky fowler winning his his major and donning the green jacket who do you have drew uh, I think I'm gonna, still going to stick with Rory. Um, didn't have you know the the quite the day he wanted, but he's um, seven back right now. You know, if if uh, if anyone's going to you know make that push, I think he can do it too. Guys, I'm going to go out. I'm I'm going to call it. I think Tiger wins his major. I blurred. He played well today, guys. <laughs> I I mean I would not have a problem at all if if Tiger you know was in that. It's going to make Sunday that much better. Um, you know, hopefully we get some of the, some of the bigger names and, and you have, you know, a heck of a Sunday that fighting back and forth for that, that green jacket. If Tiger wins this event, the world will break. Golf itself will break. The internet will be a former shell of itself. We'll talk about it next week. And if Tiger wins, you guys owe me a beer. <laughs> Delio.
And with that, so guys, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Sexy or not sexy? The Quicken Loans Arena is no more. Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse is the new name for the arena that the Cleveland Cavaliers will be playing in starting next year. Guys, what are you thinking right off the bat? First glance, um, I wasn't really a fan. The more I thought about it, I was like, what is the point of getting frustrated over something like this? So I'm going to keep it real short and simple. I don't care what you name it, win some basketball games. Pretty much where I'm coming from too, Drew. You know, it, it, here's where I, I, I don't really care what you call it. Unfortunately, I'm still probably going to call it the Q. I, it took me the longest time not to call it Gundarina. Uh, the Q was, it was brilliant. Um, it was easy to remember. It was unique. Um, it's kind of, it's going to be very hard for me not to call it the Q from here on out. And, and I'm not, it's not me being stubborn as the old guy. It's just, that's what I know it as. It's kind of like progressive field. I still call it the Jake. In fact, our last episode, I call it the Jake. Um, it, it's just, it's always going to be the Jake to me. It's always going to be the Q to me. You know, that's like first energy stadium. I still from time to time call it municipal municipal has been gone for eons. Yeah, Eric, I would actually, I wouldn't say age has anything to do with this because I'm the same way. I like short, sweet, and simple, easy rolling off the tongue names. The Jake, pretty simple, a lot more diff- a lot easier than progressive field. The Q, it quite literally would be difficult to get anything easier than that. What is going to be the short name for Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse? The Rocket? Oh, wait, there's a team called the Houston Rockets. That doesn't make a whole it's lot of sense. going to be Morgue. The Rock. <laughs> the Rock's of an actor. And then the Rock. Yeah, I know, but you I know just, what's going to happen. It's going to be the Rock. And then I, I did see where Dan Gilbert came out was trying to tie it into rock and roll and the, the Rock the Rock and Roll City. And I, like I, yeah, I, I didn't really care for it too much. The, the the biggest thing I don't I don't like about the new, the new name is and, and Ken Carmen and uh, I think it was Anthony uh, ninety two three. They were talking about how Fieldhouse is a college or a collegiate. Uh, name and I 100% agreed. I didn't, I don't care for Fieldhouse, and I know it's splitting hairs, but I think they could have left off Fieldhouse, and I think I would have been completely fine if they had just said Rocket Mortgage Arena. I don't know. Hey, they these companies pay millions upon millions of dollars for the rights to put their name on the building, and Dan Gilbert, if he thinks it's the best thing for the team, and if it's going to translate to wins on the court, look, I don't care. It's always going to be the Q. So whatever. Hey, so Brandon. What's up, Eric? You going to rub it in our noses that you were right about the Final Four? I was right about the Final Four, but no, I won't do a victory lap nearly as much as I should. However, Kyle Guy, (laughs) I remember. Yeah, I'm kind of going back on what I told you just a second ago. I'm going to rub it in a little bit. Kyle Guy, the individual player that I called out for a guy helping out, Kyle Guy was a real, real clutch player for... Virginia, the team that ended up winning the national championship, which I kind of predicted. Uh, yeah, so Kyle Kyle Guy played amazing. Um, a lot of controversial calls in the you know the the games leading up to the national championship and in the national championship game. I want to blow those completely underneath. Um, those shouldn't be worried about. I think the best teams won each one of those games. I was very happy with the outcome. People were very concerned about this having a lack of storylines the star power and i think that this was just a great final four both of the games seemed you know extremely competitive for the round of four and then when you got to the national championship game and you, 
you couldn't ask for a better game going to overtime in the NCAA championship. What else could you ask for? Two lottery picks going at it. Uh, I thought it was a great thing for college basketball, and it's a great storyline for Virginia to win after getting ousted by a 16 seed. I think without that loss, um, this season might have ended a little bit differently if they wouldn't have that chip on their shoulder. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think going in, you know, we kind of saw the pushback of having two defensive teams. They were two of the best four defensive teams in the entire country. Um, we kind of thought it was just going to be a low-scoring, you know, slow-paced, grinded-out kind of game. And, you know, I'll be honest, I I was kind of busy that night. I didn't really get to flip it on until the, the last 10 minutes or so. But those 10 minutes uh, were some of the, the best college ball that I had got to watch this year, even though, you know, I didn't watch that much. Um, but it was just back and forth, you know, trading baskets, defensive stops, big time stars coming up, making big plays. It might not have had the, you know, the star power that Duke would have maybe brought as much crap as it took. It turned out to be a pretty darn good game. Um, and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, I, I can tell you what, guys, my predictions from last week just prove one thing. I know jack squat about college ball. <laughs> both the teams I picked, <laughs> both the teams I picked lost. So I'm hoping that doesn't bode uh, poorly for my pro teams in the coming seasons and my predictions about the Indians and the Browns. Uh, no longer bet on any of Cleveland sports. I am no longer betting on my teams. <laughs> <laughs> bet with your head, not with your heart. <laughs> no, but I do think. Uh, really, especially in the championship game, you get to see two lottery players, great defense on both ends, both teams coming with fantastic storylines and excellent coaches who have deserved and earned the respect of everybody. And, you know, that's watching sports. Uh, You can't really ask for a much better storyline and game ultimately getting in the overtime. So uh, as college basketball fan who kept up pretty, you know, pretty well throughout the entire year, I think this was a perfect way to, to cap off an awesome season and, watching the one shining moment that they do at the end of every, you know, at the end of every season. I think that was, this was a really cool year for me for college basketball, even though the Buckeyes are still on the irrelevant side for the most part. What a good year where Zion Williamson drove, you know, drove people crazy and, and really got people excited again about college or, you know, college basketball. I think it was a great year for the NCAA, a lot of fun for me. And, and, and I'm really excited to see what's in store next year, especially for those Buckeyes who are preseason top 10, according to some polls. That's what I was just about ready to mention. Getting ready to say, you know, mentioning the Buckeyes top 10 early, early polls. So, you know, we'll have to see. Uh, I think I saw that Wesson's entering the draft, didn't hire an agent, so he'll be able to come back if he does not like his his draft positioning. But it will be rather interesting to see, you know, what the result of that is. and. Uh, I believe I did see they just offered a five-star guard uh, the other day, so that'll be interesting to see if they can snag him as well. Offering is one thing, getting is another. Oh, absolutely. Think, uh, w- one thing to keep in mind for those those preseason polls for next year, a lot of that is being, you know, what's not being factored into that are a lot of top recruits haven't signed yet. And as you can see with last year, one team can rack up a lot of very high-profile recruits very quickly. Hence how Duke wrapped up number one, two, and three all last year that were all freshmen and are all going to be leaving. I think Reddish just declared for the draft today 
And I obviously everybody knows that Barrett and Williamson are also going to be leaving, whether they've declared or not. So I think a lot of teams will kind of jump back and forth as recruits sign in those preseason polls. So I wouldn't put too much stock into those. It's definitely going to be hopefully a better year for the Buckeyes in terms of the talent they're going to have on the roster. But don't just think because we saw that one top 10, you know, rating for the Buckeyes that, that we're going to be competing for a national championship next year. Chris Holtman is here for multiple years to come. This is a program that is building. It is, think of it as a cab rebuild that's already on year three or four. We are much farther along in our process, the program. And I'm very excited to see what Chris Holtman is going to be doing. But people, it's going to take a few years if we can turn some recruits our way and maybe speed that process up. I'm all for it. Don't just expect because you saw one preseason poll that the Buckeyes are going to be competing for a national title because in, in my my best guess, I just don't see it happening. Colin Cowherd. What a man. Used to really love the man back in his earlier days. You know, he had some good takes, but he's uh, kind of turned himself into a clickbait guy, kind of like, you know, another dude on his network, Skip Bayless. Um, and he recently has targeted yep. Cleveland Browns fans, more specifically his love affair or lack thereof with Baker Mayfield, calling him, end quote, a baby. Not a smart idea, Colin. Not a smart idea. Uh, Colin is a, a blowhard. Um, <laughs> it's put it like honest to goodness. I have been so much happier since I stopped watching Skip Bayless and stopped listening to Colin Cowherd. Used to listen to both of them. Uh, I used to find them entertaining until ESPN and Fox decided that sports debate was the way to go in their formats. I kind of realized that's what we're doing on podcasts as well, but they've grown tired as these two iconic sports journalists, if you want to call them that anymore. And Colin went over to Fox from ESPN, if you remember correctly, and he did it when there was, it was still kind of a fledgling kind of sports network. Took a great risk to do that. In order to beef up his ratings, he had to say some bombastic things. His attacks on Baker Mayfield, I don't know what has warranted his comments on Baker, on OBJ, or his direct barbs at Cleveland. But he definitely has something, you know, a, a gear to grind against us. And I'm not sure what's going on there. I just don't like it. But the guys, honestly, I've been so much happier not listening to him. I have not followed him on social media. I haven't listened to a single word he says. When I see something that someone posts out there, I leave it alone because he honestly doesn't know a damn thing about Cleveland. Doesn't know anything about the Browns. His very well sourced comments about OBJ, I, I've seen that tweet thrown uh, around a million times it, it's nonsense it's absurd i did think that baker's retort to him was hysterical the more and more i see of baker uh the more and more i love the guy i'll be the first one to tell you that he was not my first choice quarterback when we drafted him last year but i'll be the first one to tell you i'm damn happy i was so wrong about the guy and every time he goes back at colin coward i think of that Terrell owens you know moment that's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. <laughs> he isn't my. Yeah, guys, I, I'm the same way. I, Drew, just like you, man, I used to love Colin's show, The Hurt. It was so good to me because back then he was actually doing, 
analyzing stuff, but not just whatever most hot topic thing it came up. He'd just start rattling about it. And to your point, also bringing up the Skip Bayless, if you follow what these guys have been saying, they're just grabbing issues that are, you know, as I said, hot topic issues that'll piss you off or, you know, have people screaming yes for, and they just give the raunchiest takes because they want to stir people up because a good take or a bad take, people actually, I think people get more stirred up on bad takes and you get more engagement on bad takes than you do on good takes. So these guys have made careers out of just rambling on about nonsense, connecting the dots at no point throughout any of their, you know, making analysis that actually makes sense that doesn't happen anymore. It's just shout out and yell and scream about stuff that doesn't necessarily have to make sense, go against what actually might be true, and people are going to engage with you on Twitter. They're going to tune in every time you have to say something because they like to hear a different opinion than what they have so they can tell you you're wrong. Yeah, but you know, the thing is, why is he doing, why is he going after Cleveland though? That's what I want to know, like today. I know why. I know why. Uh, Do you think it's because of the Baker Mayfield incident? So, so the, I don't get the whole why he's targeting Baker. I get why he's targeting Ohio and Cleveland. And why? This, so, and this is to prove my point, uh, Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Browns on a, as I'm sure all of us know, because we're very involved in Cleveland Browns Twitter, Cleveland Browns were just voted the best, you know, NFL fan base, according to Fox, during a poll that they took. Cleveland destroyed every team that they faced. And, and we didn't clear- have to pay for votes like the Tennessee <laughs> Titans? <laughs> the Twitter, the, the Titan bots weren't able to assemble in the proper alignment. Stars in the line for them. So we have an incredible fan base here that is extremely active on social media. How do these guys grow their their shows, their their brand, a lot of it through social media. What? So, and, and here's another thing that connects to this. The weather in Ohio is not that great. There aren't people who have their phones sitting down while they're outside playing around. In Ohio, you get a lot of time where you're just hanging out inside because of the bad weather, which means that you're going to be on Twitter more, you're going to be more engaged in social media, and Colin is taking advantage of that. He knows that A, Cleveland and Ohio in general are crazy about their sports teams. Ohio State Buckeyes are one of the most followed college football programs and sports programs. And then Cleveland sports fans are just as crazy as the next. They are insane. They are so engaging. And this is what Colin is doing. He is giving, just just getting back to the point of people like to engage more with bad takes. He gives a bad take and then knows that we are just licking our chops to eat him up and yell at him and scream at him and tweet at him. And he is just loving every second of it because while they are doing this, it's just stirring up more engagement. More people are coming to his page. More people are listening to him. And he is just gaining profits off of our hatred for him by him doing stupid, you know, stupid takes. So that's the frustrating thing for me is that he's actually winning. He is winning right now the fact that we are talking about him. That's exactly what he's going for. But as a Cleveland sports fan who is very passionate about his sports teams just as much as the next guy, we're not going to sit here and let this happen. We're going to call him out on this because the takes that he has are absurd. Odell wants to be in Cleveland. How, how can you not, how can you not, guys, what do you think? All the hype videos alone and him smiling every second of the time he's in the camera makes it sure seem like it's me. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the three of us um, can kind of hold back, you know, responding to him because we know exactly what he's doing. But the average fan sees that and is like, 
oh, this guy's crazy, blah, blah, blah. Um, like I learned in, you know, some of my PR classes back in school, publicity, whether it's good or bad, is is PR. And it, it's going to move the needle one way or another, whether that's a good take or a bad take. He's obviously moving the needle. I think he realizes, oh, you know, I said something about Baker, my rating spiked. Okay, well, let's take another shot at him. Good or bad, he he knows that the, the pushback's going to come, so he, he goes with it. And it, it may be insane. He probably, honestly, he may not even believe what he's saying, but he's going to say it, and he's going to get that pushback. And then the ratings go, money comes in, he's all right, he's laughing, he's smiling, may not even believe a word that he's sending out of his own mouth. In summary, Colin Clickbait Cowherd, you have been axed from Uncle and the Young Bucks. No more. No mas. You say, Uncle. Hey, guys, that's all we have for you tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. Check us out next week as we have a special guest, Pumpkinhead, Brown Superfan, and much more. But, you know, 